Welcome to Equimanagement's Disease Du Jour, brought to you by Merck Animal Health. Each podcast will delve into the research and current best practices for a variety of equine health problems with industry experts. Welcome to Equimanagement's podcast, Disease Du Jour, where each podcast will delve into the research and current best practices for a variety of equine health problems with industry experts. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. Today's guest is Steve O'Grady, DVM, MRCVS, and a farrier with 40 years of experience who owns Virginia Therapeutic Farriery, and we'll be talking about white line disease. Dr. O'Grady worked as a professional farrier for a decade prior to obtaining his degree in veterinary medicine. His mentor was Hall of Fame farrier Joseph M. Pierce of Westchester, Pennsylvania. Dr. O'Grady attended Haverford College and went on to graduate from the University of Pretoria Faculty of Veterinary Science in South Africa with a DVM degree in 1981. Dr. O'Grady then completed an equine internship in Cape Town, South Africa. After returning to the United States, he worked in Virginia with Dr. Dan Flynn at Georgetown Equine Hospital in Charlottesville for 10 years. In 2003, Dr. O'Grady opened Northern Virginia Equine in Marshall, Virginia, which was devoted to foot disease and equine therapeutic farriery. Dr. O'Grady's current practice is called Virginia Therapeutic Farriery, which is a referral practice that provides advanced services in equine podiatry. The facility is located in Keswick, Virginia. Dr. O'Grady also sees referral patients at Georgetown Equine Hospital in Virginia and Palm Beach Equine Clinic in Wellington, Florida. Dr. O'Grady's practice offers comprehensive diagnosis, treatment, and maintenance for a variety of foot conditions, combining medical therapy as well as therapeutic shoeing. Dr. O'Grady's 40 years of farriery experience combined with his veterinary work allows him to treat each foot problem on an individual basis with an understanding of both the medical physiology and biomechanics of the equine foot. Dr. O'Grady's methodology centers on using the basic principles of farriery combined with advanced technologies to treat foot problems. Dr. O'Grady has published 33 peer-reviewed articles, numerous papers in the farrier literature, written 17 book chapters, and edited two editions of Veterinary Clinics of North America on equine podiatry and therapeutic farriery. In 2003, Dr. O'Grady was inducted into the International Equine Veterinarians Hall of Fame, and in 2009, he received the AAEP President's Award for his work in farrier education. In 2019, he was awarded the coveted gold medal from the South Africa Veterinary Association. Thank you, Dr. O'Grady, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about white line disease. It's a pleasure, Kim. Glad to be here. Okay, for let's just start right into it. Why is it that white line disease is so frustrating to vets and farriers? I think the simple answer there is that, that uh, we don't understand it and uh, we don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, just to be clear, uh, white line disease uh, is actually a misnomer because the area where it occurs is the inner part of the uh, stratum medium or the hoof wall, which in all horses is non-pigment, uh, which means it's white. If we define the uh, white line uh, is actually as it's referred to here, is the sole wall junction. And the so-called white line is actually a plastic, deformable yellow structure that goes around. So 
fact, uh, a better name for this would be could be called uh, white zone disease because it's the inner part of the hoof wall, not the sole wall junction or so-called white line as we refer to it. Well, you and uh, Travis Burns just recently in October of 2019 had a, an article released uh, in Equine Veterinary Education titled White Line Disease or Review 1998 to 2018. And Burns is the Chief of Farrier Services and Equine Podiatry Service at the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine at Virginia at the Veterinary Teaching Hospital there at the, at the vet school. And in your paper, you stated that since the term white line disease lacks a definitive definition, perhaps it should be considered a syndrome leading to disease. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, what we really don't understand is um, the, to have so-called white line disease, you have to have a separation. That begs the question is, why do horses get separations? Because we see horses, we see a, a large population of horses, probably 75% of the horses, when we remove their shoes, trim their feet, they're going to have an area of separation somewhere in the wall. Yes, some of it is caused by conformation, some of it is caused by um, uh, improper forces on the foot, and some of it is caused by uh, inappropriate thyroid. But the bottom line is with all these horses that have separations, there is a very small population or actually a minority that are going to go, go on to develop uh, white line disease or uh, where that separation uh, will go ahead and migrate uh, dorsally or, or uh, upwards and form a, a, a severe separation uh, between the hoof wall and the um, uh, inner part of the uh, epidermal lamellae. Dr. O'Grady, white line disease is called a lot of different names, but are they all actually the same thing going on in the foot? Yes, they actually are the, the same thing going, uh, going on. It's an extensive separation that can be uh, uh, contaminated, let's use that word, by different organisms. Uh, there's another word that has been uh, used an awful lot by uh, both the veterinary literature and the fiery literature, and that's a nicomycosis. And that was extrapolated from the human literature uh, for fungal infections that happen in, in humans and or the dog. The difference here is that a nicomycosis in the human or the dog, it has its origin at the nail bed whereas in the horse it has its origin at the ground surface and moves upward and does not invade the coronary band uh, or uh, the so-called nail bed of the horse. So there's a marked difference in that. But the majority of these names are uh, associated with, with what has been uh, isolated or uh, found to be in the separation of the hoof wall. In your article that was published, there's a lot of very enlightening diagnostic images and radiographs. What do you recommend when you're going into a case of white line disease to try and figure out 
how far it's progressed and, and maybe what needs to be done. Yeah, well, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good question. This would, this would the, the first thing you, that you would, you would consider is, is the horse lame? And uh, if the horse is lame and it is associated with a severe separation, which you've determined by examination of the foot, the foot confirmation, the use of hoof testers, uh, uh, probing the area of separation, then the most logical step would be to uh, get a radiograph of that area so you can actually see the extent of the separation. If the, a radiograph is not uh, available or not an option, you can uh, do the uh, uh, different procedures I just outlined, and then you can also take a hammer, uh, a small blacksmith hammer, and you can tap lightly on the outside wall of the foot, and you can actually outline the area because where you tap, you'll have a hollow sound versus a solid, uh, normal sound of, of the hook wall. So it's another way that you can sort of outline the area that is affected. And once you've made your diagnosis and kind of figured out how large of an area and how high up the foot that it goes, what is your recommendation for general treatment? Well, the, the one, one of my one of my rules and one of my so-called pet peeves is that a lot of times when a separation is seen, well, we're going to clean this area out. Well, that's we're going to open this area up and we're going to clean it out and we're going to resolve it. Well, that's fair, fair enough. But remember, you have a thousand pounds on top of that horse's foot. So if you think of the solar surface of the foot, that as the hoof wall going around the hoof, you have continuity from one heel all the way around to the other heel. When you take a section of that foot out with a resection or opening that separation out, you are taking a good part of the continuity away. So you have to go ahead and uh, 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 reinforce that area with some kind of a shoe. In other words, you have to have the continuity of the bottom of the horse's foot continue. So you have to figure out how you're going to do that with some type of, of shoe. Um, in my experience, uh, you need some form of a shoe or appliance put on the bottom of the horse's foot. These horses do not do well barefoot because you've lost the continuity on the, of the hoof on the bottom of the, of the, of the horse's foot. Um, the farrowing for these horses just starts like we do with any other foot with good basic farrowing using the guidelines of, 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 uh, that we use for trimming and chewing, which is the widest part of the horse's foot, the hoof pasture axis, and the heels trimmed to the uh, base of the frog. The thing that needs to be one needs to concentrate on is that you want to redistribute the forces on the bottom of the horse's foot such that you move the forces away from the area that with the separation to other parts of the horse's foot. And there's a lot of different ways of doing that. And, you know, you talked about making sure, and I, I just want to reiterate this, making sure to give that horse enough support, enough continuity 
If you decide to trim out where that uh, abs, not abscess, where the, the hoof has lost its continuity, you want to make sure and support the horse with some sort of shoe or mechanism to hold that weight of the horse without giving them undue weight. What happens if you don't do that? The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. Learn more about Merck's equine products at merck-animal-health-usa.com. have a separation there that you're going to remove it you have two things that you have to do uh number one you have to protect that area number two you have to take the load off it for that to grow down and heal no matter what you do to it uh you have to have some kind of protection on the bottom and with the shoe you can not only protect that but there's various ways with shoes or pads or different types of shoes you can move uh, that uh, uh, you can move the weight or the load of the horse to a different part of the horse's foot. For example, the majority of horses will have so-called white line disease in the toe and or the toe and either the lateral or medial quarter. Therefore, you, you need to figure a way where your fowry is going to shift the load away from the toe back toward the heel area or the heels of the frogs back to the palmer or plantar section of the horse's foot. And do you always see cracks in the external hoof wall when you have white line disease, whether it's in the toes or the quarters? No, you actually very seldom see it. Usually uh, it's going to be a, a separation or an opening in the, the solar surface of the horse's foot. So it's something you're going to see when you start to trim the horse or if the horse is shod when you remove the shoe and then, then start your trim, you'll see the trim on the bottom. Now there are some horses that um, in the toe or the toe quarters you'll see some, some cracks on the exterior hook wall that will go ahead and uh, extend maybe you know three quarters an inch up the hook wall and then some stop. What these cracks allow debris and uh, different organisms from the ground or dirt or whatever to start invading those cracks. And the weight of the horse is going to keep pushing that material or debris upwards, extending or opening that crack, and it can certainly uh, potentiate or uh, you know uh, uh, lead to the formation of a, a more extensive. Uh, uh, separation. And if a veterinarian resects part of the hoof wall, do you recommend putting in some sort of material, uh, a composite, um, with or without some sort of antibiotic? No, I'm, I'm, compl I'm completely against it, uh, covering these things up. And uh, if, if we had sort of a, a rule, if the I think we might be getting a little bit, a bit ahead of it. Once we apply our fowry, and I'll, I'll be, uh, uh, you know, very adamant about, I feel that you need 
to apply the appropriate barrier before you do any resection or opening of the wall. The reason being is once you have opened the wall, taken the continuity of the hoof wall away, it becomes very daunting to fit your shoe appropriately. If you have determined you have an extensive separation, fine. Go ahead, leave leave the bottom of the foot intact, fit your shoe, put your 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 put the shoe in the appropriate place, put whatever uh, mechanism you're gonna or appliance you're gonna put on there to uh, redistribute the weight, apply the shoe, then take your wall apart because it becomes very intimidating if you take that wall away and you don't have the usual outline of the horse's foot to fit your shoe, know your guidelines. That's a great point to, to bring up. That's, um, but don't put the cart before the horse there. <laughs> um, is yeah, there that's a good one, yeah. Is there any way to prevent white line disease? Because it used to be, you know, horse owners said, oh, my stalls are clean and my horse isn't out in mud. I mean, can we prevent this? Um, I think we can we can prevent it to to uh, to a degree, but remember we don't know what causes it. Uh, we don't have the cause, and you also have to remember that white line disease we'll we'll use that term occurs in some of the best front or some of the best managed horses in the world. So we really can't take hygiene uh, as as being a, a real cause. We tried a couple of times in sort of uh, some small uh, experiments. I don't like to use word, the word research to try and uh, take material from one horse, pack uh, separations in another horse. In no instance could we ever repeat the disease or make the the, the disease, you know, uh, the separation uh, extent. So it's our opinion that the horse has to have the propensity. To, uh, to acquire uh, white line disease. It doesn't seem to be breed specific. Uh, it can occur in any horse, any, any, uh, any type of conditions. Um, <clears throat> now, we also don't know the, what causes it. And people say, well, it's a nicomycosis, it's a fungal disease. Well, okay. Then others will say it's a bacterial disease or others will say it is a mixed disease. Now, if you go ahead and you open the wall up and you clean it up with a wire brush and you take all the debris away, you continue to debride it and clean it, it's gonna grow right down without incidence, without any antibiotics, without any kind of uh, medication, any kind of astringent, any kind of a harsh material to put on there. So it really takes away that this is caused by a bacteria or fungus or yeast or whatever. The other part of that equation is that it is hoof wall. It has no blood supply. It is just completely curative. So again, it really detracts from the the separation being a uh, an infection. Now, if we look at, at various hoof uh, capsule deformity, such as as a uh, uh, club foot, for example, or you're usually going to have an extra load on the toe of the horse's foot, more weight there. Of course, very prone 
to have a separation that put just from the from the uh, excessive weight. Does it mean it has to be contaminated and or extend upwards or whatever? It can stay the same, but if the horse has the propensity, then it can go ahead and become more complicated. The same thing happens if you allow your heels to grow forward. What's the next thing? You decrease the surface area. Next thing that's going to start is the separation there. So many horses in this area here, they'll start with a separation and then it can, can continue on to be white mind disease. But again, <laughs> there's probably 70% of the horses that have some separations in their heels, but they don't have extensive, you know, uh, uh, upward progression as you see in white mind disease. So the animal appears to have a propensity to acquire this problem. So that kind of leads to my next question. In your experience, do horses tend to have recurrence of white line disease if they've had it once? Yes. Yes, that, that it is. And it doesn't have to be, but uh, it, it, it takes, the treatment of white line disease takes a commitment between the vet, the farrier, and the horse owner because the, the bulk of the work is going to be uh, pushed on to the uh, uh, horse owner. And that requires the horse owner to have the horse shot at uh, regular intervals. Number two, to be able to to take care of or treat that area that is, is resected. And what it means by treating it is what we generally do is we try and keep the horse's foot dry, number one. Number two, we have the owner use a wire brush aggressively on the debridement, you know, on a daily basis. And then sometimes we will go ahead and put uh, uh, some kind of a marker on there, some, something like methylene blue or iodine, uh, which it, it keeps the area somewhat dry, but it shows tracks there, which we can continue to debride at intervals as it grows down to the ground. Now, once it grows to the ground, it becomes the, the realm of the farrier to each time that horse is shod to look at the sole wall junction in front of it. In other words, look at that area of the hoof wall, make sure that a separation isn't starting there and or getting extensive. This is the way it is, pre it is prevented. Furthermore, it is prevented in those hoof capsules are those feet that have distortions. In other words, long toe, low heel, uh, asymmetric feet such as sheer heel, any areas where you're going to have excessive force on one section of the horse's foot is going to tend to separate that wall and make that horse a little bit more liable to, um, um, to acquire this problem if he has the propensity or if it has propensity. Okay, is there anything else that, that we should discuss about white line disease? Uh, I, think, I think the biggest dilemma we face is the barrage of the information that's on, on uh, the internet, on uh, different websites, uh, the literature that is accompanies different products that have no proof or credibility of efficacy whatsoever. Uh, 
I think having the horse owners, having farriers, even veterinarians understand the white line disease. In other words, the the uh, actually the ramifications of it, uh, and especially the treatment, how we can how we can deal with it would take away a, an, an awful lot of the, of the questions. And when you see, when farriers encounter this, a lot of times they don't look for veterinary help, they don't look for radiographs, they go ahead and they, um, uh, they'll go ahead and treat it according to what they read in a farrier magazine or what they, they saw online and not get the uh, perspective or, or the desired results. Furthermore, if these uh, extent, uh, separations are extensive, it becomes quite intimidating to a farrier to, to deride an excessive amount of the, of the horse's hoof wall away. Then, you know, then you have the possibility of making the horse's foot unstable if it's not supported to uh, on the bottom. Another point that, that's really important is to remember that if it's uncontrolled, the separation is uncontrolled under the hoof wall, and it continues to migrate dorsally, laterally, or take up uh, the toe and or the medial or lateral side of the horse's foot, uh, it affects the epidermal lamina. That's the non-sensitive lamina that's right next to the uh, to the hoof wall, and you can get a, uh, a severe mechanical laminitis, which is uh, is really difficult to uh, to treat much harder. Okay, so this I, I really appreciate our discussion today. I think uh, veterinarians and techs and farriers all will enjoy listening to this. And I just want to let our listeners know that you can find the article referred to in this podcast in Equine Veterinary Education, October 2019. The article was titled "White Line Disease: A Review, 1998 to 2018." by Dr. Steve O'Grady and Travis Burns. Um, there, of course, again, were many enlightening diagnostic images and radiographs of not only the disease, but how the treatments were created for the cases. So I, I recommend going and seeing this article. And thank you, Dr. O'Grady, for joining us today on Equimanagement's Disease Du Jour. Thank and, you, Kim. And thank you to our listeners. You can hear previous and future podcasts of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We hope you'll join us again for a future edition of Disease Du Jour. And thank you to Merck Animal Health for sponsoring today's Disease Du Jour podcast.